even though it's one of these nebulous, esoteric concepts for some people, for me, it was crystal clear. And I knew that, you know, hopefully I had a tiger by the tail that I could talk about it eloquently because I lived it. Now I, I talk and write about it. This is the FM Evolution Podcast, brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services, bringing you trends, innovations, and advancement of the facility management universe. Welcome to the Evolution. Here's Sean Black. What's up, guys? It's Sean Black at FM Evolution, and welcome to episode 30. It's the big 3-0. We're excited today because we're going to be talking about cultures that rock with Jim Knight. Now, Jim Knight's a speaker a podcast host, an author, and arguably one of the busiest people I've ever met. Super excited to have him on the show. We talk about his journey, talk about his career, and we talk about cultures that rock. So stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this. But before that, here's a word from our sponsor. CGP Maintenance and Construction Services Incorporated is not just a general contractor. They build, service, and maintain facilities while self-performing for some of the largest brands in the nation. With over 33 years in business, they've got what it takes to be the partner you deserve in today's fast-paced facility management marketplace. Check us out today at cgpconstruction.com. Welcome to FM Evolution. I'm your host, Sean Black, and today is episode 30, and I'm super excited today uh, to have Jim Knight on, who is a renowned speaker. I saw him at an event last year at RIFMA, and it was amazing, so I had to have him on. Jim, welcome to the show, man. Oh, thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. Um I would love if you could kind of tell people more about uh, what you do as a speaker and then we can kind of go through it from there. But yeah, tell us a little bit more about you, man. Yeah, for speaking, I probably play in the sweet spot of culture and service. Those tend to be my, my two main focuses. I get hired predominantly to help people amp up their organizational culture, their internal environment. Yep. Um, I do play around in the... Uh, you know, the, the guest service or customer service or client service, whoever, you know, whatever uh, industry I happen to be in front of, and a little bit around building teams as well. So I probably have eight or nine things in my, my quiver here, but those are the two or three <laughs> top. But for sure, culture, culture that rocks tends to be uh, my, my number one uh, hit. And it was, <laughs> dude, I love that. <laughs> it was great. I, when I saw you speak, man, the amount of energy that you brought to that <laughs> was uh, amazing. And I know you notated that, but you amped up that room. So I was super impressed. So I'm glad Thank to be you. able to have you on. I love asking people what they're reading. You know, everyone always talks about leaders are readers, you know, and, and, and so I'd love to know what you're learning right now. If you could share maybe what you're, what you're, what, uh, what you're into right now. Oh, yeah. Well, and actually, I try and travel with at least one, sometimes two books. Um, I, I'm not really good about going back and forth. I tend to finish uh, one of them before I jump on the other, but I never want to run out. Yep. Um, and, and sadly, I think this is a little bit sad. I don't read too much fiction. Most of my stuff is, in fact, business-oriented. I got a nice little Minus library two. at my house, yeah. and every single one of those books are business-oriented. So the one I'm reading right now, um, I'm reading The Big Nine 
Um, that wow. is, uh, it, it's becoming quite popular. It's uh, the author is Amy Webb. And uh, she talks about how artificial intelligence is going to really develop going forward and how it's going to affect our lives. It's very actually optimistic and, and practical, I think. And it's, it's based on facts and some real world patterns. I think she does a great job sort of laying the groundwork as to, you know, robotics and AI and what that's going to do with us. That's, that's one. And then the other one is, um, I can't remember the subtitle, but it's called contagious. Um, and it basically talks about why, we have this uh, th- this viral mentality. Why things catch on? Actually, that's the subtitle. And it's by an author named oh, Jonah Berger, and he talks about word of mouth, word of mouth uh, marketing, and social media, and it's probably more for, I guess, marketing people and small business owners and entrepreneurs like myself. So those are those are two. And I just finished up rereading uh, "You're a Badass" from Jen Sincero, which I know is very popular. People, <laughs> um, awesome. he's got. Such an inspirational book about taking ownership in every area of your life. So those are two or three you could probably nibble on. I tell you what, those are great choices. I'm adding those to my list. <laughs> like, no, it's great, great. This is mostly for me. So <laughs> no, those are great, those are great choices. Um, the big nine. It's really interesting. I had um, a guy on from Kariga, which is a software platform. We talked about artificial intelligence and what. Yeah doing with it scared the crap out of me i mean it's really it it can uh so i'm looking forward to kind of see how things roll out over the next like you know over the next 50 years you know i'll still be alive i told my wife robotic legs artificial implants (laughs) i'm gonna be rolling around you're not getting rid of me anytime soon. so we'll see how you'll still be here you'll still be here they're not taking over the world just yet that's right that's right I tell you, it can be scary, though, Sean. It's um, you know, and I know a lot of people give the the woe is you know robotics coming mentality, especially nah. in the restaurant hospitality industry. True, but man. I think if you take a positive mindset and realize you can use it to your advantage, I, I think you're going to be in a pretty good place. So I think that's a great book to you know sink your teeth into. I will. I'm going to get that on my list, uh, and I think that's great advice for pretty much anything you really kind of go through. Hey man, how did you yep, get started yep. as a speaker? I'm I'm fascinated. I want to know because it seems like it's <laughs> I, I don't know. It's I would love to to kind of see what's going on. I would someday I aspire. In fact, at the next Rhythma, I'm speaking, and that scares the crap out. Are of you me. really? I am. Congratulations! Man. I'm scared to crap. It's scary to crap out of me, but I, which is awesome. So I'm so excited for that. You know, you got to push yourself. But how did you get started? Yeah, first off, congratulations on that. You know, the water's warm out here. I think, you, you know, there's a lot of opportunities <laughs> yes. for people. And, and I mine probably was a little bit bred out of all the stuff that I did. I guess if I had to go back and think of where it all started, my background's, uh, you know, pretty long and winding road. It's a combination of hospitality, of course, the world that we've, you know, grown up in, but also music and education were a big mm. piece of that. So I, I went to college to be a professional musician. Um, I actually do have my AA degree in music performance, and I discovered, though, that to actually make a living in music, you had to be great. So I changed direction. <laughs> I was mediocre, <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't a rock star like I probably thought in my head. Um, I became a middle school teacher. I did that for six years. Awesome. Uh, I needed a summer job when school was out. You know, teachers don't make any money over the summer, and so... I basically got a job at Hard Rock and, uh, you know, as a cafe at that time, I just fell madly in love with the brand. And that's really what started me down that, that road of focusing on organizational culture. 
so my mindset from being a teacher, from being a performer, and now sort of being a trainer, because I did get a chance to travel the world with that brand, you know, I, I just started, started looking at it as something that I would, you know, maybe see as a strength for me. I, um, you know, I certainly had 21 years with the uh, Hard Rock brand was great for me overseeing all the learning and cultural initiatives for, for all the brand, cafes, hotels, casinos, the whole deal. And I just discovered over that time that I, I probably had one true great strength. I could hold an audience's attention. So you, you asked me where that sort of started. I, I can almost trace it back to right around somewhere in 2003. So I've been doing it for about 15, 16 years. And at that time, it was literally you know, more about uh, uh, just, you know, it was upon request. Somebody wanted to talk about hard rock. You know, I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, I didn't have anybody's permission. I just started doing it. And then when I left hard rock in 2012, I was getting up to about doing 12 engagements, 12 gigs a year. Um, and that was without really, really trying hard to do it. I knew it was going to be work once I jumped out on my own. But, you know, I, I got to the point, Sean, that I was fairly well known, I guess, in hospitality. But, I wanted a bigger impact, you know, and a louder voice. I wanted more influence in the world. I wanted to go vertical so I could get into other industries. And when I was ready to make that leap, it just seemed to me like a really good next logical step. So when I retired, you can't see me right now, but I'm doing air quotes. When I retired from corporate <laughs> life, um, I, I was able to jump right out. And today I'm a I'm a keynote speaker and an author and a podcaster. So it, yeah, it, it, awesome. again, it's sort of one of those things where I'm a little bit different than most people who want to get into it. It sort of happened because of my performance background, my teaching background and being a trainer for two decades. That's, I mean, sounds like a great mix to, to make a great speaker. Honestly, you need to have that type of, background and, and really kind of understanding, I think it gives you the experience, you know, it gives you a different perspective. And so, yeah. And, and so company culture was just kind of a natural progression then as you're speaking or how did your focus, you know, become that? Yeah. You know, I, I would say it's a great question. I, I would probably say it, I was immersed in it. Number one for two decades. So when you're working for the hard rock brand, that, allowed me to have a front row seat to one of the greatest working environments on the planet. And then I got to see why other rock star companies, why these brands succeeded and some of them, why they failed. And many times I've now discovered it's because of the culture. And I would say, even, even at hard rock, you know, we had to make sure that we could clearly define it and teach it and maintain it and even fix it if it went sideways for whatever reason. So you know, many, I would say, external hires needed a little bit more structure on organizational culture. So if you think about the people that we hired at that brand, they probably didn't know a whole heck of a lot about music or rock and roll or right. certainly not retail or group sales or local marketing or whatever. But even the culture was a little bit fuzzy for them. So I knew at one point, if I was ever going to go and write or talk about this publicly, I just needed to better define it. And, and I know that clearly defining culture to this day is one of my main objectives when I speak or when I write about it. I just wanted to give such a crystal clear definition of it that it became, I think, a tangible, malleable thing that could be addressed. And I know, I know culture is quite the buzzword these days. You know, right. everybody's talking about the That's importance right. of it, but it wasn't always so. You just go back 10, 15 years, you know, it was almost an afterthought. And I'm I'm just so lucky that I work for a brand that made it front and center. In fact, 
Um, I had just heard that Miriam Webster had listed it as their word of the year about four years ago. So even though it's one of these nebulous, esoteric concepts for some people, for me, it was crystal clear. And I knew that, uh, you know, hopefully I had a tiger by the tail that I could talk about it eloquently because I've lived it. Now I, I talk and write about it. You know, what I think is really interesting is kind of how things are progressing where now culture for the workforce are coming in, you know, millennials and Gen Z and the culture becomes important to them. So now it's really oh, big. everybody, right? So it yeah, is. great. You know, how in the world, by the way, did you equate rock? I mean, was it just a natural because you came from, come from hard rock to, you know, rock to company culture, you know, co- you know, cultures that rock. Cause I mean, obviously you have a music. Yeah. Record. I, I do. And, and, you know, certainly again, working for one of the greatest rock and roll cultures in the world doesn't hurt. You know, you start there. So my learnings and my experiences working in that environment most likely set the stage. Um, and then my music degree, you know, that helps, but definitely, you know, whenever I'm on stage, I am no doubt, I'm going to use a lot of music orientation. I am going to make uh, some band and brand comparisons to make some organizational points. I just think being in a band and working for a brand, they have a lot of similarities around, let's say, teamwork. You know, everybody has a part to play in the band. I, yep. I talked about the lead singer, but you can't discount the bass player and the drummer, you know, the rhythm section. They are a key part of the band. I talk about, you know, how to deal with the others, especially big personalities, how to communicate and collaborate, which is a big deal in both of these areas. I talk about, you know, both rock stars and, and you know, the ones that are flapping their gums, the lip singers. So, <laughs> you know, I even think about um, specific artist stories and analogies. You know, I certainly did this in my book, but I try and pick the ones, depending on how much time. I think even at Rift, I probably had about 45 minutes. But yeah. if I can talk about sustainability, I'm going to talk about the Rolling Stones because, you know, they've been around for 55 years or whatever it is. You know, if I'm going to talk about the, the glo- global influence of what a single person could do, I might reference Bono. I talk about... Uh, you know, secession planning and what happened with Genesis when Peter Gabriel left, you know, Phil Collins stepped in. I I talk about the juxtaposition of Taylor Swift and Kanye West, (laughs) Um, sometimes even dealing with conflict, you know, these fights between Liam and Noel Gallagher from Oasis. So, you know, if if I've got time, I'll pull some of these out of the hat. Um, You know, I just, I I love even pointing to overarching personalities of specific artists that to me have even created their own culture, like the Grateful Dead or Dave Matthews band or Jimmy Buffett or even Kiss. I grew up a, you know, card carrying member of the Kiss Army. So, you know, wherever I think I can make a music reference or a quote, and again, I do this so I can sort of prop up my rock and roll heroes. It just makes sense for me to do it because of that music background. And I've always made that cognizant decision to make it entertaining you know, I want my, my yes, educational stuff absolutely. to be meaty and I want it to be a real takeaway. But, uh, you know, I want to wrap it in, in uh, the spirit of rock and roll. And I think that helps the audience both listen and retain the information a little bit better. You know what? It's, it's very relatable, but honestly, it's just a lot of fun. Like, it is. That's the cool part about what I lo- I've seen a lot of people speak. <laughs> some really, really good, right? <laughs> and then some not so good. And um, But what was different about uh, you speaking was, it was a lot of fun. And I think that yeah, uh, rock you. side of things, you know, who doesn't love friggin' rock? It's awesome. There's some, exactly. well, some band that someone relates to when they were growing up as a kid that, that some point in time will get probably referenced. And it was just, 
it was right on cue and everyone can understand the 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 comparison it was it's really smart really really smart well thank you you know i i just recently spoke at an industry conference where the company at snagajob had reported in that their uh, annual survey that culture was like the number one reason that potential employees considered a restaurant job and i had a whole bunch of other stuff like growth opportunity and flexibility and location and position money actually was was pretty low on the list i thought if i can remember correctly and so i think about culture like that. And from an external viewpoint, yeah, the customers, they're only going to spend money with, with people and companies that make them feel good. They want memorable experience and hot food and cold drinks and a fun atmosphere and great price and all that stuff, right? My world, my entire life has been in this parallel universe below the surface. It's, it's around the internal perspective. So I think employees have the same touch points. You know, they they no doubt want a financially stable company. They want it to be fun and clean and safe and educational and growth opportunities and leadership and all the stuff you would think about, probably the things that you talk about on your show, Sean. Yeah. I think no doubt when people are in that environment, morale's higher, turnover's lower, the culture is just, you know, envied by everybody. And so I know that I can prop those companies and those brands up and everybody's gonna talk about the same old culture warriors. But I think if I can sprinkle in just a little bit of rock and roll and have some fun with it, again, they're consistently going to deliver on those fundamental platforms. I know that if I can get them to just remember the takeaways and if music helps me do that, the game on, I'm going to pull those levers and it just makes sense for me to, to brand my stuff that way. No, I, like I said, I think it's brilliant, definitely smart and, and very appealing man. After was it 15 years you've been speaking 15 I have, yeah, professionally since 2012, but well, that's I can track it back to 03. How many gigs have you done, man? That's uh, that's a lot of speaking. Oh my gosh! At this point, uh, <laughs> thousands. I think if I thousands, could do the right? math, I mean, I, I, it's probably a little bit more than that. It's probably closer to three. I mean, I currently oh, do wow. about 70 to 80 engagements a year, um, oh, and I'm exclusive guy. with the Speaker Bureau. There's a yeah. great bureau in DC called Kepler Speakers. They represent me and they're constantly looking for right opportunities for me. So I tend to get an email once a week that says, here's where you need to be. And here's here the client. And here's the okay. fee and all that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It helps. If you can pick you. one, and it might be difficult with that many, but is there one that kind of sticks out in your head more than others that was kind of remarkable? And I don't know if it was just the event itself or the experience. Oh, man. One, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> well, if I, you know, um, I'll tell you one quick one. Uh, my largest group was 9,000 people for the National Apartment Association. It was in Las Vegas a few years ago and had uh, three keynote speakers, Jay Leno, Jada De Laurentiis, who we love in our industry. And then it was yeah. me. So, you know, I was definitely the, the nobody That's knew who I was. That's a pretty good company right 9, there, man. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was fun. I have to say that my most remarkable just happened in July, literally just a couple months ago. Um, I got to speak at Joint Base Andrews for the United States Air Force. Oh, uh, they put me in front of their 165 newly promoted brigadier generals as part of their new orientation. I was, wow. I'm just honored to have been a part of that. I was introduced by the, you know, the chief of staff. How interesting is that? It, it was, and that's the topic that I did, and and I was surprised, you know, when they're talking about 
nuclear codes and ethics right. and how to talk to the media and space force and whatever else, you know, they, they weave in some culture that rocks. I was completely <laughs> honored. So, so I could cool, list man. so many remarkable ones, but that one was pretty, uh, that was pretty fantastic for me personally. So listen, I hear you have a podcast now. I'm checking this out. Did you tell us? <laughs> I do. Yeah. It's called the uh, thoughts that rock. Thoughts that rock. I co-host it with a, a, a great rock star friend of mine named Brant Menzoir. Um, he and I do it. It's a weekly show and uh, we include a pretty influential guest. You know, these are mostly business owners and company CEOs, but yep. we've been very lucky to to have a, a broad network. So we've got professional athletes and politicians and astronauts and yeah. news anchors and musicians. The, the basic format is that we share two pieces of life changing advice, one thought from the guest and one from us as the host. And we do all that in about 30 minutes. And, and hopefully like my talk and, and my book, I think Brain and I have found the right balance of edutainment and, yeah, you know, yeah. we're found on uh, like 21 various podcast platforms, but we, we push everybody to Apple podcasts that iTunes it seems to be, to be the, to the most prominent. Yeah. They're, they have the, they definitely have uh, the whole podcast thing down. Sure. They do. Well, and, and probably for you, you like the data analytics and I like people, I do. you know, giving you some reviews and we can yep. see what's working and what's not working. And, you know, I know that you said this is a show number 30. Number We're 30. New. We're less than two months in, yep. but uh, we're, we've got great reviews and the feedback from our fans and subscribers is just amazing. And if you're looking for us, we're in the, uh, we're in the business education category. I so thanks for asking, buddy. Yeah. It's called thoughts that rock. That's awesome. I already subscribed. I'm ready to go. <laughs> oh, thank you, man. Thank you so much. You're We're welcome, honored. Matt. Uh, kind of a random question. One of my uh, one of my guests asked me. I said, "I hey, you should ask people, you know, what they would do if they won the lottery." So I want <laughs> I wanted to ask that. I'm like, I, okay, I'll ask it. What would you do if you won the lottery, man? So it's going to be the hated question you know, answer that you probably uh, will get every once in a while. But I'm going to tell you. I, I'm not sure I'd change anything. I would probably upgrade a little bit on what I drive and where I live and those types of things. But, you know, I'm doing what I'm probably doing the rest of my life. I think yep. my one strength to be in front of people, I'm probably going to be a speaker and an author and a podcaster the rest of my life. You know, I, they're, they're, to me, it's just absolutely fun. It is a lot of work, but I'm enjoying the ride so much and I can't imagine doing anything else. And I certainly wouldn't retire. I'd probably travel a little bit more. I would travel a little bit more, but I love what I do. I'm the same. I'm the same. Well, that was for Carrie Teresa at Chick-fil-A. There you go, Carrie. We, we have Bring it. I love it. So that's you know, cool, I'm a man. fan of Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I know. God, you're not kidding, man. <laughs> um, you know, something we haven't talked about, but I wanted to bring up, what's the name of your book so people can find it? Yeah, it's called Culture That Rocks, pretty much like uh, Thoughts That Rock. I mean, I've used every iteration of rock and roll in all of our <laughs> products, uh, but it's called Culture That Rocks, and it talks about how to amp up or revolutionize a, a company's culture. Awesome, man. Perfect. Well, uh, before we go, I want to make sure that people know how to find you. Uh, I know you talked a little bit before, but what's the best way for people to reach out to you to have them speak at your event? Uh, or be guests on your podcast. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably all roads lead through my main website. It's a night speaker, my last name, K-N-I-G-H-T, nightspeaker.com. Um, and it's got my book and training programs and speaking and podcast stuff. But a lot of people will jump that and go right to my bureau, which is Kepler Speakers. 
And that's uh, to book me as a speaker. And then we already talked about the uh, podcast, thoughtsthatrock.com. That's uh, the one I co-host with Brand. But Night Speaker gets pretty much everybody. Awesome, man. Well, it was so much fun having you on the show. I definitely would try to do this again with you guys. We'll have more to cover. I mean, covering company culture is such a big topic. You can break it, it out with multiple different subjects. But I was just excited to have you on number 30, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it, buddy. Listen, good luck on uh, on the podcast, and uh, we'll get you on our show at some point in the future. So thanks so much for the time, buddy. You bet. Thank you.